Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm going to start off the show with something a little bit different. I am grateful to be here on live radio, broadcasting on Voice America Business Channel. I am grateful to have a voice and be able to express it. I am grateful to Voice America for broadcasting us to LinkedIn and Facebook for allowing us to live stream and to the restream service, which works most of the time. I'm grateful to Gabe, my wonderful new engineer. I'm grateful to Aaron Keller, who has risen to be a very, very important uh, important person at Voice America Radio. I am grateful to everybody who is listening around the world. And if you haven't guessed, our topic, it's not Thanksgiving Day, but it might as well be Our topic today is the future of gratitude, mental health, and technology. So it's a very important day. I'm trying to get the captions off on Facebook while I'm talking to all of you. So I'm grateful for being able to multitask, but I haven't been able to do it yet. So our topic, as I said, is gratitude. We might even call it appreciation. And I don't think there's quite enough of it yet in the world. We sure need it. Uh, The Beatles had a song, All You Need Is Love. Well, I think all you need is gratitude and appreciation. Express it to people. You can't just assume people know it. So let me give you my opening here. And then while my guests are introducing themselves, I'll remove the captions from, from Facebook. Facebook, I would be very grateful, or meta, whatever you call yourself, if you would allow me to turn the captions off and not have to go and manually turn them off every time we live stream. So here, here's some of my research on the topic. Listen up. I have uh, found a website, PSYWB, PSYWB, springeropen.com. And listen to this. Research has shown that kindness, ah, kindness, another word I forgot. Kindness and gratitude are among the foundational human interactions that bring people together. And that's what we're doing here, trying to bring people together. Grateful people feel more optimistic and happy. They better mitigate uh, aversive, meaning averse, negative, hurtful, harmful, scary, aversive experiences, and they have stronger interpersonal bonds. In 2016, researchers at the MIT Media Lab developed Kind and Grateful. It's an Android smartphone app. Any of my guests, have you experienced it? Have you used it? No, not yet. Well, I think we all got to go. I don't use an Android. So anybody who does will ask you to do that. An Android smartphone app that uses mobile sensor data to analyze the interplay between your mood, your contextual cues, what the environment is giving you, the stimuli, and gratitude expressions. I have another buzz here from doinggoodtogether.org. I like that for a website. Children spend an average of, oh my goodness, 53 hours a week with digital media. We're talking video games. We're talking social media, reality TV. I don't think it's just children. I think it's all of us too. Exposure to violence, virtual connections that replace face-to-face. That's why I love Zoom, face-to-face friendships. Researchers feel these may be causing a decline in empathy. I think they did a study with some college kids and found out they don't empathize too much, which is a problem. So the researchers suggest that parents seek online games, apps, and videos that promote kindness. Let's stop right there. Then I have another quote from the healthcare.utah.edu, and they say, listen up, expressing gratitude can positively change your brain. Oh, my 
Just expressing it, it boosts dopamine and serotonin. These are the neurotransmitters in the brain. My guests are nodding, so I think you all know what this is and you agree. The neurotransmitters in the brain that improve your mood immediately, not in three days, not in three hours, not like a time-release capsule, right <laughs> now, giving you positive feelings of pleasure, happiness, and well-being. I'll go for the well-being anytime. That's, I know, my guests are nodding. Yes, well-being, that's what I'm looking for. And one more buzz. You can improve your mood by focusing on the good things in your life. That's where gratitude comes in. I found the names. Uh, there are many more than these of six gratitude apps that can help you do I'm not advertising these. I'm not promoting them. I just want to throw these out there because I think they're interesting. And the website that I found these on is Make Use of. Dot com. What a cool name. We've got some cool websites here. So there's one called Presently, be in the present, right? There's one called Gratitude. I hope they grab that name really fast. There's one called Three Good Things. You got to go there to find out. One called Bliss Gratitude Journal. There's another one called the 365 Gratitude Journal. And then there's one called Happy Feed. So when I na name, name you, announce your name, guess I want you to wave hello and then we'll have you introduce yourselves while I fix the Facebook feed. Karen Gibson, welcome back. How are you, dear? Lovely to see you. Aloha, aloha. We have Deslin Hakias. Did I say it right, Deslin? Yes, you did. Great job. <laughs> oh, oh my God. She's on two or three shows a year and I have yet to get it right. Hakias. <laughs> okay. And it's spelled just anybody wants to know J A C Q U. A-I-S, is that correct? J-A-Q-U-I-A-S. Oh, I-A-S. I'm always getting it wrong in one place <laughs> or another. So there we go. Hockeyist, there we go. Sandy Davies, thank you for a name that's easy to pronounce. And Sarah <laughs> Kleiber, and that's K-L-A-I-B-E-R. And we're going to ask them for their take on the future of gratitude, appreciation, positivity, mental health, and technology. I'm Bonnie D. Bonnie D. Graham in the house. So happy to have you all here. Let's go get some introductions here. Karen Gibson, so nice to have you on. You've been on my shows, what, for a couple of years now, right? Coming back? Yes. Yes. And, and Deslin has too. And Sarah and Sandy are new, and I'm so happy to welcome you. So Karen, I'm going to put you on full screen speaker view. And why don't you spend about three minutes? That's our, our mode of presentation here. And tell people what you do. And Karen, I'm going to take a mathematical guess that there are probably 8.3 people in the world who don't remember you from the last time you were on my show. And I'm going to say, shame on them. So why don't you talk to those 8.3 and then a few others who might not really, never have met you. Shame on them too. So Karen, go ahead. You're on full screen. Welcome. Thank you so much, Bonnie, for this opportunity. My name is Karen Gibson. I reside on the island of Oahu. I am an author. I've written two books, Mama's Gotta Let Go, How to Let Go Without Losing Your Sanity, as well as 100 Parenting Tips Inspired by the Pandemic. I'm a mom. I have two daughters, 26 and 20. So I've had a lot of years of navigating that roller coaster journey of parenting. I'm also a private tutor. So I've had nearly 30 years of educating kids from age three, actually all the way to 63. So my mission academically is to help kids succeed in and out of the classroom. And as far as parenting, I really would um, love for parents to experience more peace and less pain while they're raising their children. Karen, do you agree with what I said, the research about dopamine and serotonin being instantly released with gratitude? Does that really work? 
It does. I've had uh, five-year-olds instantly um, cure their temper tantrums just by, um, you know, having lotion on their feet, expressing gratitude and laughing. They literally go from crying to laughing. And I, and I you know, make them aware of how um, powerful they are in just focusing on gratitude and what's going right instead of what's going wrong. Really? Does that yeah. work for grown-ups who get angry? I have to know if somebody <laughs> does something and you get really ticked off. I use the polite word ticked off. Is there a way for a grown-up? Do, do you put lotion on your feet? I'm it's not the most yummiest scented lotion. You put it on your feet and it's amazing because I've, I've worked with a mom who was just really angry and not really wanting to be a parent. And once you start... Um, massaging lotion um, on the soles of your feet. It's amazing. Plus the scent alone, right? Wow. Okay. I know what's going to go in my living room and in my kitchen is some of that wonderful sand I've got stuck in my master bathroom that I use for lotion for rubbing on feet and body lotion. Okay. You just gave me a tip. Thank you. I'm grateful to you, Karen Gibson, for that tip. Thank you. Now we maybe we get some other gratitude tips from everybody else. Let's go around the table. Deslin, hockey is. I'm so happy to have you. Go ahead. I'm grateful that you got to be grateful that I can finally pronounce your name. Deslin, I'm putting you on speaker view, my dear. Would you please reintroduce yourself now? Similar to Karen, there's probably the same 8.3 people who don't remember. <laughs> Double shame on them. So I made Sarah smile. There we go. Okay, Deslin, you're up. Talk to us. Aloha. Um, I'm Deslin Hakias. I'm on the island of Kauai. Um, I'm a mother and uh, I host a podcast called Healing with Aloha. Um, on this podcast, we talk about grief, mental health, uh, healing, and also we talk about um, having passion. Uh, you know, I'm really grateful. Um, you know, I am a mom. And so I've learned a lot um, about gratitude and, um, you know, just making sure that uh, I make a mental health a priority so that I can be able to be present in uh, my son's life. Um, you know, through the podcast, I've been able um, to connect with people because of technology and Zoom and, you know, just um, being able to utilize social media to go live and to connect with people. Um, that's what has made, you know, just this whole experience the last two years um, to be somewhat manageable, um, to have um, positive relationships um, with gratitude and, and just allowing us to, to see that we can feel alone, but we're not alone. And um, through through um, kindness um, for one another, people near and far that we can um, be able to overcome um, our personal challenges as individuals. Thank so you for having me be here. Oh, I'm grateful to you. And I'm grateful that we're hearing the roosters, real <laughs> live roosters in Deslin's background. I'm, on I'm grateful island. for that. I have to tell you, I just remember, Sandy, you're, you're coming up next. I just remembered that many years ago, I was dating somebody who was living with me part time. And we had that we put on, it was a very interesting process. And this is way before we were talking about these things many, many years ago. We had a, uh, it was a big mugger, a, a snifter on the dining room table and when we got up in the morning i had cut out little heart shapes that had little pink outlines around them and put them in this and we each take one heart shape out and we would write something like i love you because or i love you today and we would write a message to each other and put it on the table every morning it didn't last that long <laughs> when we when we broke up i think i threw it all out but at the time it was a nice 
thing to do. And I don't know where I got the inspiration or if I just figured it out on my own. But I saw hearts and I thought, those are really pretty. I got a sharp scissors and I printed them out and I cut them out and we wrote on them. And it was really nice. So in a way, it was like a pre-era of gratitude, right, ladies? A pre-gratitude, gratitude. Yes, yes. He, he didn't deserve all the nice things I said, but that's okay. At the time, it worked. Let's move on. Too much, too much, Bonnie TMI. Sandy Davies, we're so happy to have you here. And I'm looking forward to getting to know you along with everybody else looking forward to getting to know you. So would you please introduce yourself, Sandy Davies? Welcome. Yeah, well, good morning. Aloha. I'm coming to you all the way from the tropics of the Daintree Rainforest. I'm on Eastern Guviology Country in Australia even though, as you can hear by my accent, I was American born. I was born in Kansas, but my life has been Australian for the last 30 years. And I am just feeling, listening to everyone else, so full of gratitude because I'm so thankful that technology brought Des into my life and then Karen and then Sarah and now you. And I just, I love that no matter how far away we are, we're all connected and not necessarily about me, but you know those roosters we were talking about with Des? Every time I do something with Des and I hear those roosters, I just am overwhelmed with gratitude for Des not closing her door or trying to drown out that noise because anyone with an island connection, when they hear Des, they feel a connection to home if life has taken them elsewhere. And that can be one of the biggest gifts of just you know, that extra nudge for your mental health when you can hear that sound of home. But back to me. <laughs> so <laughs> just like Karen, I've also just done a book. Mine is uh, a contribution in courage and confidence. I got to honor the memory of my mom and what she taught me in business. And then more exciting later this year, there's actually a book coming out, The Power to Rise Above, with all three of these ladies and myself talking about bullying and and trauma that we may have suffered and just finding that gratitude and that inner spark within and reminding everyone that you're not alone and you can overcome anything that's hit you along the way and i just love that we're doing that from australia to new york today thank you sandy so nice i'm grateful to have you here and i will tell you i listened very carefully and I heard a little tiny bit of an Australian accent sneak into what you said. <laughs> the word home had a little bit of an Australian ping to it and something else you said. So thank you so much for being here. I am a New Yorker born and bred, by the way. I've lived all over the U.S. and I'm now in Durham, North Carolina. So we've got North Carolina. Where is every Now, you're, where are you today, Sandy? So... I'm in the Daintree Rainforest, so just right up at the very top of Australia on the edge of the Great Barrier Reef. Okay, so we've got Australia, we've got North Carolina. Karen, where are you today? The island of Oahu. Oahu. Deslin, where are you, Des? Kauai. We're in Kauai. the Hawaiian Islands. And now it's a perfect way to introduce our other brand new guest, Sarah Cliver. Sarah, <laughs> where are you, Sarah? Well, if, everybody, if anybody would like to express gratitude for snow in the last week of April, uh, I'm happy to share some. I am in Buffalo, New York. Okay, Buffalo. Well, I'm putting you on full screen speaker view, Sarah, and we would like you very much to introduce yourself and let everybody know more about that. My daughter attended medical school at the University of Buffalo, and I know exactly mm -hmm, about that snow. And being a New Yorker, Long Islander, believe me, and I lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts for several years, and yeah. I will tell you that it, in that place, 
when the men, it was a very blue collar neighborhood. And when men went to work, yes, it was the men who went to work in that era, <laughs> in that neighborhood, in that time where families, three generations lived in one house and cul-de-sacs had houses side by side where three or four generations lived side by side. Oh yes, it was quite an interesting neighborhood. But the wife, the wives would put a garbage can in the place where the husband's car left in the morning if it was going to snow that day. And if she cleared the street of the snow so husband could come and park in front of the house, the garbage can had their name written in paint on it. And nobody would dare park in that space until husband came home from work and could park in front of his own house. So I know snow. Sarah Kleiber, I'm putting you now on full screen. We would love to get to know you. Sarah, welcome. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. My son is attending UB right now. Okay, so you yeah. know. I Talk sure to do. us. My name is Sarah Kleiber, and I am a wife and a mom of two young adults. And I am the owner of Treasures Around Us. And the mission of Treasures Around Us is supporting positive mental health through the connection between appreciation and happiness. And this mission was born in 2011. Um, I have, uh, for a very long time, been battling major depressive disorder, and um, at this time in my life, I thought that it was, start, it was time to start fighting the right way, and I just started to retrain myself, if you will, to, to think differently, and I found that, that you know, it was easier than I thought it was when I just started to look around at even the littlest things around me to focus on and even just adding five more minutes of happiness, um, you know, by, by just shifting some negative thoughts that those of us who, who battle can, can suffer with throughout the day. So that led to uh, me writing my first children's book, Treasures, which is simply just available to, you know, teach our little ones that it is okay to have feelings that you often don't understand and that you too have things around you that you don't need a shovel to find. And then two years later, I wrote Beautiful You, a little more about two to three years more advanced, because I thought that if I'm going to teach our little ones to appreciate the things around them, they really should start with appreciating the things about them. Um, I am on the platforms at Treasures Around Us. I have a YouTube and a podcast. Every Tuesday, I will post something that I am appreciative for. And every Friday, I will post a picture that a little one drew for me and share something that our little treasures appreciate so that we can learn from them and their innocence. Sarah, you are an inspiration. Thank you. I'm grateful for you being here today. I'm grateful for you and all my friends here today. Thank you. <laughs> you stopped me in my tracks when you described what you do, who you are, what you experience, and what you're doing to help others. You really just stopped me. And Thank that's you. not easy to do, right, Karen and Tess? <laughs> I'm that train on the track and I don't stop. Ladies, I, I forgot to take pictures before the show, so hang around afterwards. I'm gonna take some group pictures for the screenshots, okay? <laughs> I did get some individual picture shots. Now, for those of you listening around the world and watching to my three wonderful guests, I just knew this was going to be a fun topic and an interesting topic and a much needed topic. I'm going to say that. I'm I'm grateful because I went to Karen and Des and I, may I call you Des instead of Deslin? Would yes. You, is that okay? Des and Karen and I said, let's do a topic on appreciation, gratitude, kindness. You know, I like to get that in on all my hard technology topics all year long. And they said, sure, we know some really interesting people to invite in, Sandy and Sarah. 
are, are here, and I'm, I'm very grateful that you brought them both to the panel. Uh, but now it's time for the quotes, and I've asked my guest to send me a quote from a fictional character from a movie. Funny, when the instructions go out on the quote, I'd say about 25% of my guests send me a quote from a real person, a psychologist or a philosopher, or so, and I write in the instructions, no, no quotes from real people, please, but they really want to quote real people. Well, we did that for years, and we ended up with a a boatload of quotes from Churchill and Darwin and Einstein and um, Drucker and Gandhi. And they were all wonderful quotes. But after a while, I was going, oh, do we have to do this again? So I said, let's just do fictional quotes. And everybody got really challenged with it. And we have some really, really cool quotes. So fictional movie or TV character. or See, this is my New York fast-speaking voice, uh, Sandy and Sarah. This is coming out now. And, and we have some really interesting quotes. So let's go to the quote. I'm going to read the quote with a little bit of background. I'm going to start with Karen. And then I'd like you to take, oh, we're running, we're running okay on time. Take about two to three minutes and tell us what this quote means to you in terms of our topic related to the topic. So Karen has sent us a quote from When You Believe, a song from the 1998 DreamWorks musical animated film, The Prince of Egypt. And interesting, a pop single version with additional music and lyrics was recorded by Whitney Houston and by Mariah Carey for the film's end credits and the soundtrack album. It's called A Big Ballad with meaningful and inspirational lyrics. And uh, it was on albums from each of them. And in the movie, the first part, the first, when it first was performed in the movie, it was performed by Sally Dworsky. I don't know who she is, but Michelle Pfeiffer also performed it. And a children's choir with soloist Andrew Bryan. So here's the line Karen has selected. There can be miracles when you believe. Karen, what does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Well, I think when we are really believing in miracles, you are grateful for just unpredictable opportunities, just like us gathering, you know, from Australia, New York, and um, Kauai, and, you know, I, we just couldn't even imagine. I couldn't imagine being on this platform and expressing gratitude. So I believe, I truly believe when you are open-minded and you, um, you know, practice just a little bit of faith, just anything, anything is possible. Thank you very much. You froze for just a second there. That was why I went, ah, okay, we got you back. Thank you very much. Beautiful quote. And I have to, I have to go listen to the song. Des has sent a quote from How Will I Know? Oh, 1985 song by the late great, why in the heck did you leave us too soon? Whitney Houston, recorded for her self-titled debut studio album released in 1985. Uh, it was originally intended, I don't know if you know this, Des, it was intended for Janet Jackson, not oh. for Whitney Houston, but she didn't want to sing it. She passed Janet Jackson. So Houston recorded it with different lyrics and production, and the lyrics speak to the protagonist trying to discern if a boy she likes will ever like her back. It became Whitney Houston's second number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart. It reached, oh, and Sandy, this is for you. It reached top 10 positions in Australia, as well as Sweden, Ireland, Norway, and the U.K., and top 20 in Netherlands, New Zealand, and Switzerland. And the actually the music video that went with it won Best Female Video at the 1986 MTV Video Music Awards and introduced Whitney Houston to a teen audience. So here's the line. I'm asking you what you know about these things. Oh, Des, tell us. How'd you find this one? <laughs> you know, uh, can I guess? Is the first song, I Will Always Love You, is that her number one? Um, you... Let's see. Let's see. Let's see if I have that. <laughs> uh, 
I will. It probably is, but you know what? That wasn't in the notes I got on Wikipedia. So we'll, <laughs> let's, let's just say that it was. Okay. I will That's always right. well, love yes. you. Let, let's um, do that one. Okay. So I ask you uh, uh, what you know about these things. You know, each and every one of us, there's something to be grateful for. And, you know, it doesn't like we, we discussed earlier, like it doesn't have to be something big, but it can be something really small um, so that we don't feel that. I think like in, in everything that we've been through, we can compare ourselves to one another, but in reality, that is the little things that does add up so that um, we can um, express gratitude um, for ourselves and then for other people. Um, it, it doesn't, you don't need to be educated to be able to, to be grateful for something that you have in your life. And, and by um, focusing on the things that are, are going well in your life, it keeps you grounded. And, you know, being on an island, um, just going outside and just in, in embracing nature, um, that's been um, very helpful um, for me and my mental health and um, just allowing people to see that it doesn't have to be something really big, but it can start with something small. It can indeed. And I'm grateful that the gardener, the landscaper I paid a lot of money to last year who did a mediocre job in my garden, knew better than I did. And when I went outside the other day, and I'm in Durham, and about two weeks ago, it was 26 degrees Fahrenheit at night and 45 or 50. Now we're up to 80s already. It just, it switches here. It can be a thunderstorm one. It's almost Florida weather, but not quite that hot. Anyway, every rose bush in the front garden has bloomed literally overnight from freezing temperatures a week ago. Two rose bushes he transplanted to a little area in the back around a tree. I live I live one of ha one of about 25 houses around a, a man-made pond that has a fountain that has lights and the fountain comes up and the lights uh, color red at night and it's beautiful except the fountain's broken and they took it away. It'll come back though eventually. Always happens just before summer. But my point is that I looked outside the other day and the two rose bushes that I left there because they looked they looked very weak and they only put one bloom out last year. They are full of roses right now without any extra food or miracle grow or anything on my part. So whoever is looking after the gardens, whoever up there or out there is looking has made my rose bushes come back to life. And yeah. I am grateful for that. And that's a nice, so whatever this gardener did, I thought, eh, he didn't know. He knew. And there are little things called little, uh, tr little plants called mouse ears that have little stems with tiny pink flowers, like a hundred of them. They're blooming all over my front yard. I'm grateful. So let's, I'm getting all choked up here. Let's go to, yes, it's Garden Appreciation Week. <coughs> Sandy <laughs> Davies. Sandy Davies has sent us a quote from the Sundance Kid played by Robert Redford. We're going back in time here, my dear, to Butch Cassidy played by Paul Newman. What a pair they were. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, 1969 American Western. And uh, let me see if I can tell you, based on loose fact, the story tells of the Wild West outlaws, Robert Leroy Parker, a.k.a. Butch Cassidy, and his partner, Harry Longabow, a.k.a. the Sundance Kid, on the run from a U.S. posse after a string of train robberies. The pair and Sundance's lover, Etta Place, that's interesting. I'll meet you at a place. Oh, at a place. Sorry. Uh, Catherine Ross flee to Bolivia to escape the posse. Here's the deal. The AFI American Film Institute ranked it the 73rd greatest American film on their 100 years list, Sandy. It is out of 100. It's on the 100 movies 10th anniversary list. It's ranked 20. Butch and the kid were ranked the 20th greatest heroes on their 100 years heroes list. They're that's the heroes, heroes and Villains list, and it was selected by the AFI as the seventh greatest Western of all time in 2008. 
How about that? So here's the line Sandy has picked. This is, I never heard this in the movie. I can't swim. Oh, Sandy, what in the world? In, in the whole Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you found a three-line quote. You have to tell us, what does this mean for gratitude? Sandy, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, I have to issue a challenge. Anyone that just vaguely remembers but hasn't watched in years or never watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Make it your weekend date movie and go back down memory lane and watch it because you get to the end and in one of the culminating scenes, there is the kid trying to figure out what to do. They have no choice there at the end. And then he says, I can't swim. And Butch says, ah, the fall will probably kill you anyway. And then they leap. And I just think it's one of those great moments of, you know, sometimes when we're lacking gratitude and we just feel like we're hitting a wall, we need to reach out and find that mate that's either been through what we've been through or we know always has our back, like these three ladies here. I, I know whenever anything goes wrong tech-wise, Des has got me. I know when I need a little lift, Sarah is there in a nanosecond. And Karen just provides this amazing peace and tranquility that gets us through any of those troubled times. And, you know, you've got to have someone like that, that you can just go and take a run for that cliff like Butch and Sundance do and take the leap and know that you are going to be okay and it's going to be all right. And you've just got to keep going and taking those chances. I love it. I love it. It could the quote could have been, you got to swim. <laughs> Are you going to hit your head? Wow. Sandy, thank you. You are so articulate in the way you express. Date night movie. I'll have, I'm in the middle of watching 24, which is already 15 years old, but it's it's compelling. And I watch two episodes a day, plus a bunch of French detective shows. But I'll put Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid on my next to watch movie list. I promise. Sarah Kleiber has picked a quote, a long quote from Bittersweet Symphony. And it's spelled two words, bittersweet, not one word like it usually is. The song, uh, 1997, the group is The Verve, and it was written by Richard Ashcroft, and that's important to the history of the song and recorded by the English rock band The Verve on their album Urban Hymns. And what's interesting is it's based on a sample from an orchestral cover of the Rolling Stones song The Last Time, and it involved a legal controversy over a charge of plagiarism. So Mick Jagger and Keith Richards were added to the songwriting credits in light of this lawsuit, and royalties from the song went to former Rolling Stones manager Alan Klein. Jagger and Richards ceded they gave their rights to the song to the Verve songwriter Richard Ashcroft. So there's quite a history to this song. Um, Bittersweet Symphony was named Rolling Stones Single of the Year for 1997 and considered one of the defining songs of the Brit pop era. I didn't know there was a Brit pop era. So here's the quote Sarah has selected from the song. No change, I can change. I can change, I can change, but I'm here in my mold. I am here in my mold, but I'm a million different people from one day to the next. I can't change my mold. No, 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 no. Have you ever been down? Oh, Sarah, I hope I did justice to that. I can't sing it. I try not to sing on my show if we lose audience very fast. Sarah, how did you find this? And what does this have to do with our topic of gratitude, mental health, and technology? Sarah, go ahead. 
uh, that the first time I heard that song, I knew that it was going to be my favorite song for the rest of my life, not just because I am uh, very much in love with that era of music, but um, the words, the words really, um, they, they really hit directly to, to my heart personally. Um, we all have what are molds to us um, that, that from, from our name that we didn't select was selected by somebody else some things that we have went through um, in my case some past trauma we all have molds that we cannot change however we all have the power to prove that in time with 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 maturity and and different types of learning that we can change and i literally every day feel sometimes that i am one million people from one day to the next but i am still here in my mold and i can change um, and I think that the changing is what I described earlier, just about being more grateful and accepting at the same time. I accept my mold today um, after many, many, too many years of just trying to fight it. Thank you very much. Interesting, the word choice of, of mold. Is that who we think, where we think we're stuck, Sarah, that we're stuck in this mold? This is who I am or this is who other people define me as. Is the mold, I wake up and I have these, these questionable thoughts or, or I'm stuck in a rut. Is a mold a rut or is that who we are? Just can you help me with that definition a little bit, mold? I think that um, my definition of mold are the things that were created by people other than us. Um, I did okay. not create the color of my skin. I did not create some things that happened or welcome some things that happened in my past. So there are things that are always going to be the mold but again, we have the power to change how we feel about that mold instead of blaming it or disliking some things about it. Okay, thank you very much. Very interesting. Ladies, I want to show my gratitude and appreciation to all of you, to each of you, and all of you together for picking such interesting quotes. Very appreciative. Sometimes that's the hardest part. I used to have on, on my business shows, which are called Game Changers Radio, I used to ask people, what's in your cup today? Because the, the first show I started was Coffee Break with Game Changers. What are you drinking today? Or what do you wish you were drinking? And people around my business shows a couple times a year would say the hardest part of being on the show wasn't the discussion statements for the roundtable. It was coming up with a different drink every time they were on the show. So if you think it's hard to pick a quote, when you try to get a different drink every time? Ladies, let's go to our predictions roundtable. It's already 36 after. We're having too much fun. Let's see if we can spend two minutes each. If there's something you want to talk about, somebody else's prediction, just wiggle your little index finger at me and I will see you. Otherwise, I want to see if we can speed through a couple predictions. Uh, two each is my goal. So Karen Gibson. Prediction number one. This is something I mentioned in my opening in one of the apps I mentioned. You say gratitude journals will become more popular, physical books as well as keeping an online journal, as people realize the importance of writing what they are thankful for as it increases positivity, improves self-esteem, reduces stress. Oh, that's what I'm here for. And helps them sleep better. I could use that too. Karen, two minutes. Talk to us. I truly believe in the power of journaling. I've been journaling since I was seven years old. It has helped me through um, a failed suicide attempt. It's had, it has helped me through divorce. It has helped me really focus on gratitude because despite the dark holes of depression that I've experienced, you know, I do take the time to find out or discover like the treasures, like Sarah was saying, the treasures that each of us 
have in our lives, no matter what we're going through. So I think that the beauty is making the time to write it. I think now there's like online journals, there's online dream boards, and we really are utilizing technology to express our gratitude. But I always love the actual books to write in, you know, and there's the feel of it. And just, I think just writing in general can be very, very healing. Do you have a favorite style of book you write in when you do the physical writing, Karen? Does it have flowers on it or did you make it from, is it a scrapbook type of a thing or did you buy it? Does it have gold edges? I'm just wondering because I've gotten a lot of books to write in over the years and I found I didn't want to use them, but I've got, I've got them all over my office here. So do you have a favorite kind you would recommend to somebody? If they're going to start to journal, I think um, some of the journals have self-reflection questions, which which I find really inspiring because you wouldn't even think of asking certain questions. But if you can find a journal that includes self-reflection <clears throat> questions, well as positive um, gratitude quotes that kind of inspires you to write, and you can focus on specific areas of gratitude in your life. But I love the gold sparkly journals as well. <laughs> Thank you very much. And probably a gold sparkly pen to go with it, I'm guessing, right? We got to make ourselves happy. Things are nice if they make you happy, right, Sarah? Right, Sandy? Right, Des? Right, Karen? Okay, Des, I'm looking at prediction number one. This is a really important one. You say, I predict, this is Des talking, not me, Bonnie, Des. I predict that in the workplace, management will show more appreciation for employees, whether it's virtually in meetings, newsletters or emails or in person to acknowledge value in order to retain or obtain we'll say also acquire hire engage new employees they will need to show positivity and synergy des talk to me this is just my prediction um you know with the great resignation with everything that went um you know a lot of people left their jobs and for the people that are left behind in order for them to retain it's um management having to show gratitude um, for who, who is um, still in the office, who's still working for the companies because they find it, it's been difficult to even get new employees. You know, um, like locally for us, there's a, a, an airline company, you know, there was, they had to let go of people during um, the pandemic and, and now bringing them back and, and just, you know, seeing how people are hesitant to, to return back to the workforce and, uh, you know, management taking responsibility that, you know, not taking people for granted and, and just verbalizing their gratitude for, for the hard work that they do. It's, it's going to be key because uh, it's not like people are running back to go to work, but like just being able to keep people that are um, in the workplace. And so that, that, that was my prediction in, and just not taking for granted um, the people that do show up and, and do put in the hard work to, to make a company move forward. Thank you. Very interesting. And from my vast experience as an employee in many different industries over at least seven previous careers, I would say that I've had some pretty awful, terrible, mean, nasty, mean-spirited managers. And my guess is that they, their ego got in the way, but also they were fighting to make themselves important and to keep themselves in power. And the power of being a manager or boss got ahead of what could have been a kindness or an appreciation. There were messages of you left at 4.57 p.m. Where were you? Knowing I had been there since seven in the morning and had a two-hour commute and had worked harder than anybody in the company. There were, we don't like that you have sparkles on your jacket. We're taking you for dress for success seminars because you're not wearing $500 suits to work like 
like the other executives in the company. Oh, yes, I've, I've seen it all. And that was told to me by a boss, a man who couldn't keep his shirt tucked in. There's no, no, uh, no in, implications of anything untoward there. But he literally couldn't keep his shirt tucked into his pants. At work, he was just sloppy. And he was telling me how to dress for success that they didn't like my clothes. <laughs> I wore a scarf in my hair, a silk scarf, but it wasn't an Hermes and it wasn't a thousand dollars and it wasn't lining the, the jacket this way. You know, it was, it was here. So I was colorful to say the least. It was a big, big, well-known company anyway. So I've been told that, that they were not grateful for the work and they were not grateful for, for the personality. So I've been there. I've had bosses who told me you will never get a raise as long as you work for me. And the review was thrown out for five years, never a dime, never appreciation, nothing but criticism. But I learned a lot from her. And I actually became a very good editor because this woman was so hard on everything I wrote. I took the gift of editing skills from her instead of all of the, the negativity of how she treated me and everybody else in the company. I took away something. So I'm grateful to, I'm not going to fill in the blank, for teaching me how to be a really, really sharp-eyed editor. There we go. So that was Des. And now let's go to Sandy. Prediction number one, the need for a trusted, solid digital sisterhood Ooh, will become even more crucial, not just for women over 50. Are we some of us? Oh my, Sandy, but for all, oh my, but for all of us, Sandy, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, so I ended up coming out of semi-retirement to launch a product for women going through peri and post-menopause. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered was the thing I thought I was going to hate the most was having to become a bit of a presence on Instagram because my big cry had always been, you know, don't get, don't get so caught up in social media that you're drowning in social media, be outside and, you know, capture the joy of life. Well, I found that I could capture the joy of life through social media as well, because if I hadn't taken that leap and put myself out there on Instagram through menopause, I never would have connected with Des, which then led to connecting with Karen, which then led to connecting with Sarah and now you. And I never thought that we would gravitate to our genuine sisterhood through the ether. And I'm so thankful for the technology that has catapulted me into an amazing world of knowing that if you're doing something a bit different and you don't necessarily get those connections on the ground, they are out there on the internet as well through just being genuine. And it's amazing who gravitates to you and you gravitate to. Thank you, Sandy. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, I was doing radio for many, many years, producing and hosting on the phone. And then the pandemic happened. And I had toyed with the idea of adding Zoom, the visual connection feature, to my productions, but I was hesitant. I didn't really know the technology. I wasn't comfortable with it. I wasn't sure whether Voice America would be able to work with it. How would we do the radio broadcast through the Zoom speakers? How would we do the whole thing? And I added it, I think, in April or June of, of 2020, I think, I added Zoom. And it has made such a difference in terms of seeing my guests. Sarah, I'm watching you smile. I'm watching you think out loud. 
Des, I'm seeing your beautiful smile and I can picture the roosters. I wish you'd bring a rooster into the set. <laughs> Karen, I can see that gorgeous ocean behind you. And Sandy, I can see your wonderful smile. And it has made, oh, there are big birds up on my roof. My God, this crow must weigh 100 pounds. No, it's about 20. <laughs> anyway, um, the birds are here. The birds, the birds. But my point is that I added, Sandy, this technology and it has made such a difference. There were people who've been on my business radio shows for years. I had never seen them. I will never meet them in person. And that's okay. Nothing to do with COVID, just distance and travel and, and not practicality. I'm not going to a, wow, there's a lot of crows up there. Um, <laughs> I'm not meeting them in places where they go. I don't go to networking. I don't go to conferences. I don't like to fly anymore. So there you go. Now there's three of them. Oh my goodness. They're taking over my yard. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> a, a little scary what's going on outside. So my point is that I added the, um, I added Zoom and I'm now able to connect visually and I can see you. And for people who I haven't ever seen I could say to Bob Smith whoever that might be Bob I'm looking into your eyes I can see you smile I can see you think I can feel I could see you're a little bit nervous or I can see you're a little just distracted like to get, get back to the focus you're on live radio with me so it's made all the difference and adding then last year adding the live stream video wow sharing what you all look like and how you express yourselves to a live audience that can see us, that opportunity. So to me, technology has added a new level of connectivity. Even though it's cyber, even though it's virtual, it's still us being, right, Sarah, and right, Sandy, and right, Karen, and right, Des, it's still us being who we are, right? It's especially me, being who I am. I can't seem to help but go away, crows. Okay, let's go to uh, Sarah. I'm looking at, boy, we're, we have 11 minutes left. Let's see if we can quickly go through another set. Sarah, I'm looking at prediction number three. This is important. More people will pause before judging. I want to say, can I hear an amen to that? We hope. Yes. Sarah, talk to me. Go ahead. I, I truly believe that um, evolution has made our voices louder when it comes to some things that in the past just for some really twisted reason, we're not, we're not talked about. More people are open about their mental health. Um, you know, years ago, I never even thought I would be participating in a pride parade. Um, so, it, you know, I, Bonnie, you had mentioned about that, that jacket with sparkles on it. And, you know, I wonder if your employer realized that that sparkle jacket made you happy. And being a happy person probably made you a better employee instead of being forced to dress in something that just wasn't you. Um, you know, if, if we can have wheelchair ramps and, and, and handicap access, why cannot we have more understanding and forums for the illness that some of us battle that is unseen? And the more people talk about it, the more people are gonna know that they're not alone because they're gonna look at somebody that they can relate to instead of judging. I love people with colorful hair and outfits. <laughs> <laughs> you are very kind. By the way, I look like this 24 hours a day, just like this. The black dress, the sparkly sweater, if you, I don't know if you can see it, the red flower, the, the, now the, oh my God, they're up on the roof over my office. There's crows coming down off my, I, I'm not even going to go outside after this. Yeah, they are. They're on top of the trees. Th these crows must have a wingspan of a foot and a half. I've never, yes, I know, Karen. 
Des, can we get some of your roosters here to scare them away? Please? I have like 20. You can have I them. have never seen crows like this sitting on my roof right now. There's two of them. They must be 16 inches long. They are huge. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Um, yes. So, Sarah, thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. And you can tell that my spirit wasn't dulled by this. As a matter of fact, the company was Chase Manhattan Bank, and I was a marketing director. I did some incredible incredible first-time things for them, a newsletter that became part of the global lore of Chase. I wrote it, I designed it, I did everything for it. But when they moved to a new site in Brooklyn, New York, I didn't want to commute to Brooklyn, but they said to me, would you create a Welcome to Brooklyn event? And you're, I think you're all going to go crazy with this. A Welcome to Brooklyn event uh, to get the employees used to the new place. And by the way, it was so dangerous in Brooklyn. They had, I think, armed guards on, on every corner in Brooklyn at that time. I said, I went back to a, a company on Long Island. But here's what I did. I designed an event where I hired a Bette Midler lookalike. I kid you not. She was a corporate trainer, Sarah, who was working with people at Chase, and she didn't want anybody to know that she was part of a celebrity lookalike agency. And she, I mean, the, the this and the red hair and, and the smile, and she was a Bette Midler. So I hired her. I found out through my contacts. And then uh, she stood on stage and welcomed everybody. People in the audience thought she was really Bette Midler, and they asked her questions about her movies. I'm not kidding you. And then I took them all into this great big auditorium, and we had sabrette hot dog carts, and we had junior cheesecake and root beer. And then this woman led the Chapel of Love, and we gave uh, foil hats and grass skirts, Karen and Des made out of foil to four executives, one of my executive managers, and had them become the harlots behind Bette Midler <laughs> singing, lip-syncing the chorus for Chapel of Love. I created this event for Welcome to Brooklyn. I was the one, I did this. And this was a company that said to me, we don't like how you dress. And I basically said, but you asked me to create a once-in-a-lifetime, one-of-a-kind event, and I did it. And so much for sparkles on jackets, right? And then I quit. <laughs> I quit. But what an event. It took me months to do it. And what thrilled me was that people went up to this, this woman, this lookalike. I have pictures here on my fridge of her, her with me. And they said, we loved you in uh, whatever the rose was. We loved you. We loved your songs. They really believed she was Bette Midler. So it was almost a believe theme, and that's how I welcomed everybody to the new facility. So you just all brought back a memory. Uh, we have six minutes left. Let's go through a couple of more predictions. I'm having so much fun with all of you. We're going to have to do a part two, okay, and stick around for pictures after. Karen Gibson, let's do your prediction number two. Positivity will be, continue to be shared via social media, videos on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter. We're not talking about Twitter because we know that's going to change really fast. And Facebook, as studies show that simply sharing an emotional experience activates the brain's reward system. I'm going to stop there. Karen, a minute and a half, that's it. And then I'm going to do one from Des, and then we will close with gratitude. Go ahead, Karen. Well, my testimonial for um, utilizing social media, Deslin has actually groomed me and trained me. I would not have been able to interview Sarah and Sandy and Deslin and just have them share their gratitude, have them share their personal story, which I think truly um, symbolizes positivity. So um, social media, I think, will be coming, will continue to be a trend. You know, there's downsides on it, but I always um, look at a funny um, Dotson video or, or, you know, a funny um, clip of something and it 
it just warms your heart and you you find so much to be grateful for. Absolutely. Being grateful. That's what we're talking about today. And tech is part of it. Uh, by the way, I have a neighbor whose name shall be unknown at this point. And she said, I hate technology. And you know how she told me that? She texted me <laughs> on, on her smartphone, on her smartphone. I hate technology. Using short message SMS. She texted me on her smartphone. Let's just leave that alone. Okay. Uh, Des, I'm looking at prediction number four. This is interesting. And this is important. Sarah, you'll appreciate this, I think. Clients will opt for telehealth for therapy sessions versus in-person therapy due to the convenience of time and accessibility to do it from homework or in the car. More people will seek teletherapy because it gives them more privacy from being invited in, in I'm sorry, identified in an office setting. Very important. More insurance companies will offer a lower deductible or cover the full cost because of the value of mental health. Des, let's close with this, and I can give you exactly a minute and a half for this as the crows fly over. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, so I personally, um, I utilize um, telehealth um, for therapy, and I find that people have gravitated towards that. Um, I know other people um, that, that utilize it, and because of the convenience and the privacy um, that people can have that the obstacle of getting to um, to to um, the therapist is it's dissipated and technology has made it um, easily accessible, um, and just the ability to to not have to worry about you know having to, to the anxiety of going into a building, but like having the comfort of um, being at home in a car or something, um, make, make, making it. Um, something that allows people to feel um, more confident in just being able to talk about the things that matter most to them. Um, and so I think, you know, it, like I continue to have it, even though like the restrictions have um, changed. Um, I think that's what's going to um, be powerful in people getting help for their um, mental health. I agree. I agree. I have a teletherapist and I never thought I would like it. I don't like phone therapy, but his company, his organization was using a, shall we say an unreliable video service that had me in a little tiny box and him on top and he was losing connectivity. And I said to him a couple of weeks ago, could we switch to Zoom? I'd be happy to send you an invitation. Is it an approved platform for what you're doing professionally? And he checked with his manager at the service and they said yes. And now I send him a Zoom invitation and we are side by side and I can have any background I want, some of my paintings, my artwork, he gets to know me a little bit better. I can see him and it has changed everything. And I look forward to our visits because we're talking people to, and I'm not ashamed to say, yes, I value therapy, Des. I value therapy, Sarah and Sandy and Karen, and there's nothing wrong with it. And it helps to have a third party who doesn't know you, who's not coming to your Thanksgiving dinner and, and is not bumping into you in the supermarket. Although I have bumped into some of my therapists in New York over the years, like, do you, what do you say? I don't know. Um, anyway, pretend you don't know me. That was the rule. I want to say thank you to all of you, to each of you. You are all lovely, real deal people. That's how I value you. Not for your beauty, not for your minds, but for the, the wholeness of the authenticity of who you each are. You bring to my show, you brought to my show, and you brought to my heart today. You brought to my heart who you are and sharing your love for, for life, for each other, for 
people you don't even know. And I appreciate you again. A shout out of gratitude to Gabe, our engineer, to Aaron Keller, who is now my go-to person at Voice America, to David Ide, who is now running Voice America. David, I appreciate you. Um, to everybody involved, to Ryan Treasure, who is the voice voiceover who introduces this show. And ladies, I have a quick homework assignment for you as we get ready to close. Got 30 seconds. On the count of three, I'm going to have you say no, no, no when I ask a question. To people tell you that the future is already here. And what are we going to say? One, two, three. No. no. Come on, raise your hand. No. 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 One more time. One, two, three. No. 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 That last one was the best. That was the, that was the bomb. The reason is that the future hasn't happened yet. When I finished the word yet and there was a period after it, that little space was the future after the word yet. And it's gone already. The future hasn't happened yet. And we're all here together today, my privilege to speak with you to make it a better one. Ladies, stick around. We're going to take pictures. Bye-bye, LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program.